Welcome to Bill's Poetique. This is your life. Hi there. How's it going? No way. Oh my God. Hey, it's uh, Bill Watkins here with Bill's Poetique. Nice to see everyone. I see no one. Uh, So I live in Mexico now, writing a book. Very exciting. Interesting book. Bucket list book. I don't think there's going to be another like it for me. It's from this book, uh, historical fiction, if you want to call it that, with some memoir. Always a little poetry, but sort of cleverly, I'm not pitching it as poetry, that's for sure. It's it's a prose book. Um I'm looking to sell something. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, really not because I, I'm like, dude, get rich, write a great book, which is hard to do. But more, uh, I just, it's saleable what I'm doing. I just think it's something I want other people to read. I want to broadcast what I'm writing. It's about white people stealing Native American land and uh, my descendants, especially, uh, bless their hearts. No one trying to do ill or evil, just people living their lives, but a little shoddy. Uh, remember the, the Jesus from Nazareth, if you will, white is the path, excuse me, white is the path to destruction and many are on it. I just think it holds true. I think we're all, uh, not all, many are having a hard time unguided and kind of going willy-nilly and when we do we hurt people it's like a moth to the flame i i I, maybe i'm using that analogy because the last couple of nights in my little casita my little house in the mountains where i live i'm not specifying because i have taken stands against the central intelligence agency (laughs) they're spooky how is that how am I drawing a line between poetry and what I'm doing here in Poetique with that last statement? It's just, and me writing the book about stealing land, a central intelligence agency, so that, which came from World War II, I think it was OSS, Office of something, um, the beginning of, of official United States government spying. These are... Where do we start? It's a corrupt government, the United States government. Um, it's just a, a British experiment, um, essentially, that was sort of ratified. And a lot of people latch on and b- try to believe in it because they want to believe in something. Um, and it, and it, U.S. government, it, it stands for, for some people, just some escape and it's an ability to be free if you're in an oppressive place europe or asia or middle east wherever you are in the world and u.s quote-unquote has been a beacon starting with the genocide of native american people move them out of the way and it's a great place a great democracy and everyone gets to be free pause for thinking about that so we, we just all we got to do is just move these these brown people out and now we've got something. This is awesome. So anyways, needless to say, this is my topic. 
more than that, it's my life. I've re- I have removed myself from that land. Not all the way where I need to be, where I want to be, uh, which is Wales, United Kingdom, um, back where we started, Watkins family where we started. Um, I'm taking my rear end out of there somewhat in a similar way that, well, we we removed the Cherokee people. That was the terminology. It was removal. Um, Andrew Jackson... Donald Trump's favorite president, racist and whatnot. Uh, you know, I don't like to talk a bunch of trash and judge people. Um, I've written Donald Trump uh, earnestly as a Christian and invited him to Boyle Heights, an area of Otsunia, um, what the Spanish call Los Angeles. I've invited him for tacos and horchata, uh, kicking back with with friends of mine when I was living there, I just invited him over so we can talk, talk and hang out and have some good food. Um, love, love is the answer to racism. Um, I'm formerly racist, formerly sexist, um, alcoholic, 17 years sober. I grew up, um, no intentional harm by anyone, but frankly, just unguided, uh, in, in anything very profound. And I found my way into just, just loose racism, sexism, alcoholism, drug addiction, and, um, you know, bagging on people and judging people and, uh, click clickism and, uh, not all bad. And I can hear my mom like listening now going, geez, you weren't that bad. It wasn't an all bad thing which is similar to my descendants stealing Native American land. These people were people. They had a lot in their lives, good, bad, and ugly. Um, but ultimately, uh, I was unguided. It's a word I use. And I finally found guidance. Uh, I was at the Betty Ford Center in Palm Desert where a family member had checked herself in for recovery. And I went to the family program and I uh, was squared up. It's the second day there. A uh, social worker squared me up, um, it, me, the family member, not the person who had checked themselves in for drug and alcohol treatment. I was just family member supporting, right? So I found out it was very serious for the family, too. And a uh, social worker squared me up in front of nine or ten other uh, sort of strangers before that week, put us in a therapy kind of group. And um, got me to tell the truth about my life. I was 22 and a half years old, uh, out of college, UC Santa Barbara, Phi Beta Kappa, high honors graduate from UC Santa Barbara, had been to a fancy private school. And um, I put up achievements here and there to throw anyone off the scent that I was unhappy. Finally, uh, in three questions, a social worker named Lee um, squared me up, African-American gentleman, I mentioned that because it's it's kind of a, um, always have a, I, over the years have had deep conversations, friendships, and sort of soul to soul with the African-American community. Go figure, I'm a Watkins. We were slave owners. African-American people are part of my family, for better, for worse. It just happened. You look at my last name, Watkins, across the south and across the area up there. Um 
what do we call it these days? America's okay. I just don't believe in the United States government anymore. So it's just a nice land up there that uh, is polluted too often. Okay, whoops, I got interrupted again. Last time I this last time I'll try Anchor uh, and their recording system. I'll switch to another one if this happens again. It's uh, hard. Anyways, I was talking about uh, slave owning and the name Watkins and feeling comfortable uh, with African-American community. Uh, my close friend in Alcoholics Anonymous is African-American. It's just over the years, it's just just a comfort. Um, uh, I was raised by a black nanny until a toddler. My dad was as well. And when I say my dad, for some people that means one set of things like one generation for me that's two generations ago my dad was 47 he was my age i'm 47 now when they had me when i was uh, born um so that goes back a long time my dad saw old pictures of him in the 20s um a black nanny in charge uh with his seven um sorry with his six siblings he was one of seven who have all passed away bless their hearts and um, it goes back. My my grandfather was a drawler, um, southern drawler. I better turn off some lights or some moths are going to start going nuts around here. Um, you really need to hear that. I know that's really entertaining. Anywho, um, coming back to Lee Harris, African-American gentleman, social worker. In three questions, he broke me down and conjured for me a a spiritual awakening, which for me is just telling the truth. It's finding two things, essentially. It's finding a safe place to tell the truth. It's just two things. It's really important to have the one. You can't have the one without the other. A safe place, tell the truth. So he got me. Um... He got us all talking feelings, one word feelings. How do you feel? We are all there for family members or friends who are uh, checked in for alcohol, drug rehabilitation. I was, quote, excited. It's a very typical feeling I have. Uh, my dad was kind of like that. I'm kind of like that, sort of excited, upbeat, trying to be positive. Uh, even through my weird growing up uh, times, I said, where I was all these things, sexist, racist, alcoholic, that was still had this kind of a light and a spirit uh, that was there and was decent. Anywho, excited. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is all growing up, I had some tools to have a great life and be spiritual, um, but I was just chronically dishonest and offbeat and unguided. Anywho, Lee... Uh, he would get into the feelings after you stated the feelings. This is probably a technique social workers use, but he used it great that day. He would uh, go back over the feeling with the person who gave the feeling, and he was breaking people down left and right, and then it was my turn. Like breaking down, in other words, some people were crying, and he really were. He was coming up with these gems and making people think, and I was like, wow, this guy is tough. It's going to be interesting when it's my turn. Um, he got to me, said, Hey, so Bill, um, I see you're excited. Um, what are you excited about? And I said, well, we're going to help, um, my loved one here uh, who's checked herself in. I'm excited for her. I think this is a good program. And, um, 
I think we're going to help her. And he said, okay, that's good, Bill. Um, how's your relationship with your dad? And he's, he, he got into his stuff. I'm like, huh, how fine. He, he, he followed and said, how do you show affection with your father? Um, you know, are you affectionate and how do you show that? I said, well, kind of high five, watch some sports, this and that. And um, he goes, Bill, do you have a girlfriend? So it was one, two, three, essentially. I looked around the room. I looked left and I looked right. Nice looking young man out of UC Santa Barbara, played Division One sports, high level um, student, etc., achiever. Um, no, I've never had a girlfriend. Uh, the, the room was safe enough for that truth. I literally looked left and right like I was crossing the street before I, before crossing the street, and it was a safe room. And I told the truth, let it out, almost with a tear, but not quite. It was, so it was just the beginning of telling the truth. That was in 1995, 22 and a half years old. Uh, it's now these years later. Um, I guess, uh, 25 years later or so getting there. Um, and I'm into the truth and, uh, just truth, truth, truth. And it's led me to want to write this book about stealing land. I'm sober 17 years. There's another story there of just where I've just peeling layers back. I went from telling the truth at Betty Ford center to Al-Anon meetings, 12 step groups for a family member or friend of an alcoholic. And I would limp into those meetings every other week, um, limp in and, and life was getting me down. I go to these meetings and I would, it would pick me up. Truth, truth, telling stories, truth, listening to stories, truth, identifying, giving people hugs you never met. And, and just the spirit was high. Agua. Thank you. Um, and uh, go, 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 go. Four hardcore years of Al-Anon to go with some substitute teaching, coaching. I changed my whole life. I thought I was getting into banking and everything, something else, wearing a suit, making a lot of money. And it just kind of crashed. And, um, you know, I was just sort of living at home and sub-teaching and coaching, not making much money, but just kind of living, hanging in there, going to Al-Anon meetings. Then I overdosed wasn't quite like that. I mean, it's, a depression started to seep in. Um, the, the, the ground didn't seem secure. Some of that, it seemed related to creativity and creative writing. I was getting more and more into that, and I felt real, a real rush writing my first movie script. It was like a 55-pager, like a short movie, and, uh, and a rush of, of writing a, a longer prose piece, a 20-page piece that I loved, and these things were cool, but I wasn't, man, I didn't have a day management going on, and I get high on these projects, it starts to sound like someone who has, quote, manic depression, and that's fine, those labels are okay to a point, um, Alcoholics Anonymous uses those labels too, it's in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a good book for some, for people to read, it's sexist, uh, it just, Unfortunately, it just is because it was written in, in the 1930s f by men for men, mostly. Um, it needs revision. I've written one, and I hope someday a, a new version will be published that's just gender neutral. Can I just say something right now? Anyone who's alcoholic or in these programs, can we just 
just just take a pause if you can hand if your sobriety can handle it and just admit that the book is sexist and let's just have a version out there that doesn't change anything except for gender neutrality just make everything gender neutral don't say he he him him all the time not even with higher power who says higher power has to be a a man it's like i guess it's the feminist that's grown within since i got sober my grandmother ran for united states senate in 1932 the first woman excuse me 1938 first woman to do so from excuse me from california I don't know. There's a feminist within. It, it used to be sexist. It used to be, a, you know, just a jerk, um, unguided. But it, through sobriety, I've just, I just, I'm a feminist in that I'm for equality. I'm, I'm sort of on, I'm for everybody getting a fair chance, no matter the race, gender. I mean, that's just how you start to become once you are guided, once you have a higher power. Um, you... You just tend to love freedom and equality and and everybody getting a fair chance just becomes sort of normal. It's kind of like just being sober, being clean, being being sane goes with all of that stuff. You just start to crave stuff that gives you peace of mind when you go to sleep. And that's... Peace of mind's not going to come if you're a jerk. Um, okay. So there's my introduction to today. Um, we'll have a few poems, some like last week, some that I've written, and then some that I'm passionate about that I've been reading or books that I have here in Mexico with me. Uh, share some things, maybe some in, in Spanish as well. Um, not many people listened last week. It seems the title was really tough for people probably to understand or click Wingandakoa. I'm just trying to get that name up on the board instead of the British invasion name called Virginia. Just tired of it. I'm tired of, of accepting the invasion from 400 years ago. I'm just over it. No, thanks. It was wrong. And the more I study and research and I'm getting into this book that I'm writing, just the more I know that to be true. And you will, too, hopefully, when you read my book, The Land Thief by Bill Watkins. So um, let's do Longfellow or do some of my own stuff. So I'm, I'm in San Miguel de Allende. Guanajuato, Mexico. I'm not going to worry about CIA. I love those guys. I love, I love everybody best I can. I just want to point out truth. And when you do, you get conf- you confront people. They get scared. When people get scared, they lash out. Um, I think that's why CIA killed John F. Kennedy. They were scared. John F. Kennedy and his brother were going to get rid of CIA, and uh, they got scared and they killed him. You know. It's it's human. Um, it's just, there you go. It's just one of the things. You get into truth and you just you just write it. It, it does set us free. Um, CIA is not the, not the issue here, dude. <laughs> Big Lebowski. It's not the issue here, dude. It, it isn't. I mean, it, the core of the, our worst activities up there in, in that 
what some people call USA, whether it's CIA killing and lying about it, covering up, or Trump's doing stuff and lying about it. There's a root there, which is why I'm writing this book. There's a root. It's called, it's called land theft. It's called the whole... This whole quote government up there was is planted on crime, on major crimes against humanity. As Brian Williams would say on MSNBC, what could go wrong? It's a mess. And of course it I, I might cry. It's it's not just a mess, it's tragedy. It's murder. Murder by the Spanish, murder by the English over and over again because they were competing against each other to get this land. An insane reaching out. I thought about this today, I think it was. You have uh, Switzerland. Or, I, I don't know. I can't go back thousands of years with Switzerland, that area. I mean, I, I think it's probably um, Celtic and... You know, it has some different sort of histories associated with it. But there was a point at which, and th maybe this week I'm going to start to study Switzerland, what happened when they started making the decisions that they made. But they were happy where they were. They didn't want to get in wars. They didn't want to fight. They didn't want to compete uh, in, in a violent way. We'll, we'll go to the Olympics. <laughs> Give it a go. But we're not going to go out and kill and steal. Um, not so in England, not so in Spain. I mean, they're just rabidly, just just grab land grabbing, like there's no tomorrow. Building their navy, building for war, competing. Just the insecurity. I, I think of being being surrounded by water. They're making these big navies. Where's the next invasion coming? I think that Spain and, and England. I'm just picking those two because it's. They they infested that area up there called America, Northern America, what we now call United States of America. They just infested it with with this horrible competition of guns, weapons, and war. What could go wrong? I'm out of there. I, I keep my passport because why wouldn't I? It's convenient. My mo I have family members up there. Um, but I don't believe in it. Um, anyways, so I got here, started writing poetry again. Uh, this is where I started writing poetry in 1995 after Betty Ford. Uh, among the things I did was go to Al-Anon, and I took a trip. thought I was going to towards South America through Mexico, like taking this long Mexico, Central, South America trip, six months, who knows what. Maybe work down there, blah, 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 blah. Turned out to just be three months in Mexico, um, traveling around and living. And in all of that, the travels, San Miguel de Allende was special and magical. And I started writing poetry down here. I prayed for it to come into my life. Prayed, prayed, prayed. God, give me poetry sort of prayers. Don't want to use the name in vain, but uh, just was doing those prayers. Two or three weeks after the start of the, that prayer, I got poetry out of my dreams in Spanish and in English, every other line. So I, I got a, a real gift. Um, a year later, I asked for a sense of humor, and I got that right away. It's so awesome. 
It's true. My first and second real prayers. I'm not kidding. That's in my sobriety, in my not sobriety, in my um, recovery life. Even though I was going to Al-Anon, I wasn't sober. I wasn't drinking a whole lot, but I wasn't sober. I hadn't made a decision that I was an alcoholic and that I needed to stop drinking. That didn't come until two overdoses happened. And uh, I was getting into that story before. It was just going to Al-Anon, four years solid there, feeling good. Finally, the the floor came out from came out from under me. And writing these creative projects and feeling highs, feeling rushes, but not feeling weird. It didn't seem to go anywhere. Wasn't making money at it. Was living at home. Didn't have a, a relationship with a woman that was healthy. Still a virgin at that time. True, I stayed a virgin till 33. Seven years short of that comedy with Steve Carell. I knew that was going to be me too. In college, I knew that was that was I was in trouble. I knew it. I mean, it starts with denying Anne that that third grade crush, not and not reporting it, not t- telling anybody, not telling her, not telling a parent. How could you tell a parent they were all over the place? It was divorce city and whatever, Insaneville. We're trying to take care of ourselves. We don't. No, we don't do love. Occasionally I heard I love you from, from mom, but uh, we didn't have it. It wasn't solid. How could it be? How can our karma set us up for good love and stable, nice family life? I don't, I don't know. Does that exist up there? Uh, millions of people are going to say, yes, I've got it. We've got it. They're going to say it. They're going to say that. You're on stolen land, a lot of you, if you're in in that area called the United States and you're not Native American uh, right now. You're on stolen land. I'm not saying stolen from Native American people. They're great chiefs. Uh, I think it was a Kickapoo prophet. Reach for my Native American Bible here, but Kent Nurburn uh, edited a great book, Native American Wisdom. Kent Nurburn. It's called Wisdom of the Native Americans. Go get it. It's cheap. Cheap hardbacks available. Anyways, Kickapoo, Kickapoo prophet Kennecuck. I think his name was. Uh, I think I have to look through like last week. Um, I will look. Th- I will find this at a break. Um, paraphrasing, he said, "Be sure." He was talking with some other Native American leaders. Be sure when you go into conference and communication with the white people, so, um, tell them something that the Great Spirit has communicated with me, and that 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 is that the land belongs to him. He said, to the great spirit, not to any humans. Um, That was a prevailing idea. And it still is some, I see a lot of more of from Native American community. Often I see uh, white people, Europeans stole our land, which I'm I'm okay saying that. Um, But I think that it's 100% accurate, no matter what philosophy, 
I think, among the Native American community that white people, European people, stole, took for themselves, selfishly, the Great Spirit's land, Mother Earth. They, they, they took it, put a price tag on it, grabbed it, took it, because that's what they did in Europe, and they just brought it over here. They brought the sick. How many sicknesses did Europe bring to that land? Literal physical sicknesses, alcohol, alcoholism, curse words. There, there are no curse words in the Native American language as it is. So we brought all of these curses and, uh, and we brought that land insanity, um, taking the selfishness that it's our land. I mean, there's more to be revealed. I'm learning every day. I'm reading firsthand accounts of British meets native and what happened and what are the accounts and what did it look like? And then what's the, what are the facts? You look at the first a hundred years, what happened for the next a hundred years. I, so much happened in that first hundred years. You almost don't need to get to the second hundred years. Was, the die was cast. It was already just, you could tell what England was going to do. You could tell what they were going to do by looking at definitely Queen Elizabeth's um, charter to Walter Raleigh in 1584, definitely by then. But then you can go back and look at what was what was Spain doing. 1492 Columbus what was his charter what was what was what, what were Isabel and Ferdinand the king and queen of Spain asking uh Columbus to do Cristobal Colon this Italian guy who lived in Spain um what were his orders so definitely just looking at those documents you can tell um how it's going to kind of go with these horrible guns. Part of the disease, can I add guns? And I did write a poem about guns I'll talk about tonight. Um, my poem, I believe, is called All Guns Are Bad. All Guns Are Bad. Very easy to, very easy to argue for me at this point in my life. And I'll get into the poem. I mean, it's, it's yeah, maybe I'll just, be the first poem of the night. I'll just go catch it. I wrote a poem about my dog who passed away, <laughs> Missy. I wrote a poem called Borderless about you know, not having borders, not worrying about borders. Um, <laughs> I wrote something about being a polytheist, which I now consider myself a polytheist. I have my Bible roots, spirituality, and I also have uh, my Native American great spirit, um, all honor, honor and glory. I uh, wrote a poem called The Greatest Democracy in the World, uh, tongue-in-cheek about that land up there with the red, white, and blue. Uh, um, about piracy under the cross, took, a shot, took shots at pushing Christianity and Catholicism on people. I mean, it's sort of an obvious theme, Earth for Christ. It's just kind of a meditation I woke up with about why why it was pushed so hard, this Christianity and the Bible 
why the paganness, the polytheistic and earth, earth culture, earth spirituality was, um, was vilified so badly by these conquistadors and, and, um, conquerors from England and Spain. All guns are wrong. I'll just start with that poem tonight. I didn't think I would. I didn't know I would, but I wrote that, um, I guess last Sunday. Many split hairs about murder and killing. Call a loud cannon firing lethal bullets in the air at other human beings. Quote, self-defense. Some appeal to the supposed authority of a flawed U.S. government and constitution covering every manner of sin with their rights to be wrong. All guns are wrong. Gunpowder from Asia, they say, so many years ago. Europeans jammed up in space in competition. Romans taking over a while. The British and Spanish learning the Bible alongside their firearms. Off to conquer the, non, the non-Christian world. As if some good and Christ-supported right to conquer. All guns are wrong. They are loud and proper martial artists of self-defense, abhor them. They are wrong. The animals in nature cringe against them. They are wrong and are displeasing to the great creator, who I'm sure loves peace for the maximum number of people as is possible. They are wrong, are for cowards, for people afraid of life, so much so they become bedeviled into taking it away from others. All guns are wrong. The obnoxious, fearful, coward's way of life to blow things up and edge out God. I guess that's the end of that one. (laughs) All guns are wrong. True. Yeah, a perversion from Asia, the gunpowder. I mean, (laughs) things get invented, like the helicopter is one of my least favorite inventions. For putting out fires, I, I can kind of get it. Everything else, I think it's a dog. Keep it in in your, keep it in the garage. Melt it down. Do something else. Thank goodness where I live now. I'm I'm uh, no longer in a war zone, which is where I was in Otsunia, what Spanish called Los Angeles. It's a war zone. How could it not be? How could it not be a war zone? We stole land. People stole land with guns, and it just continues to be a fight for it. Graffiti, whenever you saw graffiti, that means there's a war. There's people who want to do something other than what other people want to do, and people are fighting about it. Uh, so the first poem, I, I did Wingandakoa last week. I wrote The Red Rose of Celaya um, before that. And my, I wrote something about my first crush and I wrote something called the first, uh, the perfect bummer about tracking dog poop onto my first big bus here that I took from my mountain house into town. <laughs> and I first poem I wrote in San Miguel de Allende and many, um, in a long time I wrote, 
a couple Spanish poems here a year ago when I was here kind of checking this place out before I moved here. Um, but I settled into my place, and within a few days, I finally had a poem. It's called The First You, and it's on my website, travelingpoet.net. goes like this. So you have trouble fitting in sometimes. You look up at dad and mom, what they did and who they are or were, and think there I am somewhere. Do not be so de- do, do not be so deceived. Sorry. You are neither with mom or dad, represent neither one, but a strange combination of them never before you tried. You are in fact the first you ever made. So gather strength, listen to the rain, the voice inside that pushes us past the pain. Rainbows await the patient and the wet. Games lost are won the moment you reach across and shake hands heartily. God is the sunshine, or a fiction, or the joy after a hard nap. Dream things that that come when we ask for help. I'm sorry, dreams, things that come when we ask for help. We cannot do this on the path already chosen for you. So break off and find the true, the truth that you are a masterpiece, if you so believe. That's a good verse poem back in San Miguel. The first you. That's true, though. That's it. I mean, we know that. Sometimes poems and statements and writings are going to say something very obvious, but maybe we package it in a way that makes you think about it again, rethink it, and put that in your the fore of your mind instead of somewhere in the back. Oh, I had a, something in my head and it just passed me by. But yeah, remembering things. Oh, there's a, spo- a poem in Spanish about memory. That's why I'm going to walk over to a table. One's called Sueño by one poet. This one by Salvador Rocha Diaz, Mexicano, Mexican. Picked up a book in town before last week. He writes a poem from the book I have called Recuerdos. Memories. Hoy te voy a recordar. ¿Y sabes qué significa? Volver a mi corazón los recuerdos que te encuentran. Hoy te te voy a recordar. Today, I'm going to remember you. ¿Y sabes qué significa? And you know what it means? Volver a mi corazón. Coming back to my heart. Los recuerdos que te encuentran. The, the memories um, que te encuentran that, that uh, find you. The memories that find you. Hoy te voy a recordar porque siempre has sido mía y en volverte a incorporar te rescato de mis sueños. Today, I'm going to remember you because porque siempre has sido mía because always it's been mine. My, the memory's always been mine. Y en volverte 
I incorpora, and in coming back to remember and remember you, te rescato de mis sueños, I save you, uh, um, um, with my dreams. So I'm going to remember you, and I'm going to save you. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, that's the place. Luckily, it's not a really long book, so I should be able to find it again. Recuerdos. Come on. So I'm going to save you by remembering you. Estás en mí y has estado, pero en distintos niveles, en presente o con tu ausencia en mi sueño, o en mi alma, estás en mí y has estado. You are in me, and you have been, and you have been, pero en distintos niveles, but in different levels, en presente o con tu ausencia, in, in the present, or, or in your absence, when you're there or not. En mi sueño o, o en mi alma, in my dream or in my soul. Nunca te dejaste de estar y tu estar es, es mi alegría. Y por eso en este día te recuerdo en mi recuerdo. It's a really cute poem. So glad I bought this book. It's just a little gem. So excited about having this. It's a really good pickup. 45 pesos. I think that's um, um, 50 cents. No. No, sorry. 20. So, no, sorry. It's close to about over $2. About $2.50. Sorry. <laughs> Nunca dejaste de estar. You never um, quit being. Y tu estar es en your being. Your being is my happiness. Y por eso, en este día, and for that, and, and for, for that today, and this day, te recuerdo en mi recuerdo. I remember you in my memory. I mean, there's a sweetness there. And it, it plays on memory, and it was kind of what I was just thinking about, how you say something basic, or you think of someone, or you think of a basic idea, you put it in a poem, um, a piece of writing, whatever it is. You make people think again, or you put it in a photograph. Just take pictures of mountains over and over again. Make people remember. You put it up on the wall. Little memories can get us through a day and can, you know, help us feel good. Um, today I'm going to remember you, you know, is what he was talking about. I'm just going to remember you. And that's where you exist. You exist in my memory quite often. Sometimes you're there. Sometimes you're not. But I'm just going to make a conscious effort to just think of you and remember you. you. Someone could have passed away physically. It's what my poem about Missy, my dog, is about, I think. When we get to that, um, I lost Missy. Um, six years old only, a, a mini schnauzer, sweetheart. Founder, homeless, she and her brother in Highland Park in Osuna, what uh, Spanish call Los Angeles, that area. Um, sweetheart, so loyal to me, always, I think, remembered, latched on to me because I saved them. And um, she would follow me around. And um, she picked up epilepsy horribly. 
just a terrible case just kept getting worse and worse and um you know my loved one tracy had to put her put her down go to the doctor and put her down but i wrote about missy uh this week um i was going to try to get to that one um i'm zigzagging around i'm going to get to missy it's just it's just better if i just stay in order here and get to Miss, missy in a minute missy's eternal and she'll always be with us her soul is eternal, of course. Um, the perfect bummer. I'm gonna say it. It's a. It's a. Let's see how it goes. It's got some Spanish. It's a bilingual poem. Who thinks they should make water bottles better? I mean, just generally, there's a, some good ones, but the small ones, like the that come in the 24 packs, often they're recycled and horrible, and they just don't stand firm. We need to do better at that. All right, this one's called The Perfect Bummer. It's on my website. I had no idea when I boarded the bus that I had stepped in it. Oops. It was the first day of school, <clears throat> or so it seemed. Myself off on my first bus to town for my mountain rider's paradise in San Miguel de Allende, Guanajuato, Mexico, place of story, desert, and an indigenous way of life caught in the headlights of Europe's historic, historic, often perverse advance. There I was, not alone, but with the duena of my house, the owner. She, the mom, overseeing transfer of her child from home to bus to school. Oops. We were both eager to see this bus from rural Halpa. It's called a rural community uh, out, out a little bit towards the mountains, past our com compound toward the centro. And sure enough, after a while, the Route 15 bus rumbled along, but not until a time waiting and conversing. In that time, I did notice a tremendously large dog dropping, big and steamy, to my left. No problem, and not a surprise with all the dogs around that area. No matter, here's my bus. There, at last, some independence to learn the bus system important, living in so remote a place while I wrote my book about white people stealing native lands. Hola, buenos dias. Smiling was I, ear to ear, after shaking hands with the duena. We had figured out the bus and I was bound for town. I gave the driver my 20 peso bill and he gave me my four pesos change. And I smiled and wished all the passengers a good day. And all was super duper happy and contento. It was happy. Then I smelled something. Around the, the time the driver halted and peeled off the road at a high rate. Dog poop had infiltrated the bus. And I looked down the lane I'd walked to my seat, saw marks of horror. Looked at my right shoe and sure enough, I had tracked in the poo of some large dog on my first exciting bus ride into town, San Miguel de Allende, 2019. God help us, it was a perfect bummer. Looking back, I may have stepped in it at the very moment I shook my duena's hand, congratulating myself on figuring out the bus schedule at last. <laughs> Reminds me of something my dad would have said. If the deck is not clear, do not bother sailing. Or more succinct, succinctly, 
succinctly, I could write it. I can't say it for some reason. Succinctly, safety first, he might say, or more to the point of my story, look where you are going, check for dog poop, be humble. I stepped in it, spread it to the bus like European spread disease, alcoholism and curse words to, to the new world. And the new world's in quotes, by the way. New to Europeans, not to life. Oh, and, and a Bible they brought, remember? And guns, a mixed bag, while European graves of our forefathers fall apart untended. We forgot to love the land and honor our fathers, sailed across an ocean and stole land. On it today I walked and stepped in poop. These facts unrelated, unless you're one to relate. That's the end of that poem. Second poem I wrote in San Miguel while living here. I'm going to do one more poem and then take a break. The next one is called Anne, after my first crush, on my website with a picture of a neat flower from my garden here where I live in the mountains. The first one is blessed by God. Nature, truth, she comes to you when you are ready, when she too is that part of you that's ready. The smile, the joy within finds its way out and love springs. Yeah, quick sip. That's end of the first stanza. This is Anne. Wow, that's a really bad bottle. Just crumbling. Okay. And love springs. Alcohol as drink, quote unquote. Unguided living. The devil himself intervene with love sometimes, and we surrender it to adoption services or some later date, convenient to the scared and confused. Anne was my first crush and could have been the only love of my life, and I would have been blessed. This, if life was not saturated in alcohol as drink, quote-unquote, the devil playing with us, confusing and, and usurping. Like the land in America we stole, usurping the name of God, Christ, the Bible, to steal land from a natural people connected to the great spirit, creation itself forgotten by Europe, Rome, book thumps, and war. We killed the Druids and almost their spirit. Romans conquered themselves, we too. The English took on the worst of Rome, made it our own, conquered ourselves and God in greed for the crown. And, meanwhile, could have sparkled more, uh, sorry, couldn't have sparkled more, myself unable to tell her I loved her because I was a Viking and Roman, and alcoholic, and bedeviled. I thought a flammable liquid good to drink. I am a fool, am fooled, was born a drunk, a liar, and a thief. A violent warmonger, unguided, and destined for hell. Truth help me, God help me, great spirit and creation forgive me. My father's sins are mine. I climb and escape them only with doses daily of truth, doses daily of love and forgiveness. 
Anne lives in mountains, as do I. She there, me here, and I cannot make the weather move her to me. Only asking higher powers to reward willingness for amends and truth with health. Will I die an example of what not to do? Will I live to the hilt making amends for the past? Can my message help the next child blessed by love, by, but tempted and unguided on his way to hell? Truth, son, will bring you back to Anne. I'm going to take a quick break. And they're back. And we're back. How did it used to go? Saturday Night Live. I don't believe in much up there. I tell you, I watch YouTube. I'm just seeing all this stuff from, quote, the United States. I just, I'm over it. If we don't confront the truth of the founding of this fake British government on top of stolen land, it just doesn't mean much to me. I'm into the truth since 1995. And uh, a place up there has got a lot of untruth. The land's beautiful. Talk with the Native American people. Enjoy the land. You know, there's a there's the spirit still there, of course. But there's a lot of sewage on top. A lot of sewage. That should be the next title of... You know, a poem for me. Anyways, I wrote a lot of poems this week. The Red Rose of Celaya is a poem I wrote about a female bullfighter from 1995 when I was here, San Miguel de Allende in Guanajuato, Mexico for the first time. Followed her around a little bit, saw her fight in San Miguel de Allende, Celaya, and Querétaro. And one time we went to Celaya from the youth hostel in San Miguel, a group, and this is that story. See how it plays just as the poem. I won't talk about it anymore. Anthony was our leader. Other friends. We set out by foot, excuse me, we set out on foot and by bus to Celaya from San Miguel de Allende, the year 1995, the quest to watch a female bullfighter fight. Cristina Sanchez, Torrera Española, beautiful, strong, and proud. Graceful, too, a showwoman, showing up the men and bulls alike. Her signature move to tire the bull in, in a dance of deception, then go to her knees while ripping open her vest to show the bull world that she was a woman. A woman in the man's domain, crossing over to show it could be done. I threw three red roses into the ring that day. The last one, my friend Mike, helped, as Sancho Panza did assist Don Quixote so dutifully. We placed a simple business card of mine that had, uh, excuse me, of mine that had my name, phone number, and address on it, through the bottom of the rose, poking a hole. We jimmied the car. Hold on, let me just look at something. Oh, that was, the, yeah, this is the last one. The last rose I did, I did it fancy. We jimmied the business card up the stem, and I threw the rose into the ring. Christina had picked up the other two roses, fine. With this third and final rose, she bent, noticed the rose, the rose and myself, the thrower, still standing near ring's edge. 
and she did look at me and smell the rose. Her eyes smiled, and we parted ways. She never called, but the spirit knows what happened that day. And Michael and Anthony. Anthony, who just watched two crazy romantic young men act fools for love, shook his head. His eyes did smile, too, and we brought love and joy to San Miguel and to Celaya that day. Some Spanish, are you ready? Que viva México! Donde vive, viva, donde vive fuerte, que se es adentro de mi corazón, todavía aquí palpitando, esperando su llamada, mientras bailo en el jardín con, lo, con los mariachis de Bonito Tecalitlán. I'll go stanza by stanza. Que viva México, long live Mexico. Where it lives, I know, where I know it lives is, is deep within my, my heart. Um, todavía aquí palpitando, still here beating, waiting her call. While I dance in the jardín, which is the center of town in, in San Miguel de Allende, de Allende. While I dance in the jardín con los mariachis, with the mariachis, de Bonito Tecalitlán. It's a place in Jalisco. But it's my favorite mariachi song. It's called Bonito Tecalitlan. It goes. It's a really cool song. Great spirit. Maybe I'll play it, figure out a way to get it on this uh, podcast. Okay, continuing on. Guardo mi doscientos pesos y preparo mi próxima rosa. I'm saving my two hundred pesos and I'm preparing my next rose. Guadalajara, por favor, capitán. Tengo cincuenta pesos. Vamos a tocar para Dios y mismo. Guadalajara, play that song, please, Capi capitán, captain. I only have 50 pesos, but let's play, let's play that song for God himself. I was short. You need 200, not 50. 200 gets you a song. So I was just begging that he might play Guadalajara, even though I only had 50 pesos. Pero no. Necesitan dinero los músicos para vivir. Entonces, paso mi gorra. Ahí al público, y voy a ganar doscientos. But no, they have to, they need money. These musicians need money to live. So I'm going to pass my hat around the public, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my 200 pesos that way. Sí, Guadalajara, tocamos. Y la negra ya sigue. Yeah, Guadalajara, let's play. And let's play La Negra next. That's a famous mariachi song. Very famous. Um, que viva México hoy y pa' siempre. Viva en este, mi sueño, mi poema, mi rosa de, di de hoy. Long live Mexico, today and forever. Li long live in this, my dream, my poem, my rose of the day. 
Es lo que recuerdo cuando recuerdo Cristina Sánchez, Torrera Española, La Rosa Roja de Celaya. Oh boy, which rhymes. Oh boy is my last line of the poem. It rhymes with oy up there. So, es lo que recuerdo cuando recuerdo. This is what I remember when I remember Cristina Sánchez, Torrera Española, the female Spanish bullfighter. La Rosa Roja de Celaya, the Red Rose of Celaya. Oh boy, I finished it. Okay. That was a true story, and I put it into a poem, and it's on my website. I did Wingandako. I did all better last week, thank goodness. Let's see, it's moving on. Mi Familia Mexicana. I also... Uh, wrote bilingual poem this week on my website when you rise in the morning think yourself in the hills a spanish rancho set in guanajuato mexico san miguel de allende a place of magic a place of magic as time suspends Cobblestone streets and the colors of dreams, wild dance in February or May, it doesn't much matter. This is mi familia mexicana, my Mexican family. Jesus said family are those who do the will of God. La voluntad de Dios. Now in Spanish. Pero te pregunto ahora. This is the will of God, but I'm asking you now. ¿Qué es el nombre de tu de... Tu de <laughs> De tu Dios personal. What is the name of your personal God? <laughs> Lo mío cambia. Y soy sin duda un politeísta. Que tengo mi Biblia. Y lo estudio mucho. Pero mis amigos y familia. Que del mundo indígena. Lo mío. So what is the name of your personal God? Mine changes. I am, y soy sin duda, I, I'm without a doubt polytheist. I have my Bible, and I study it a lot. But, my friends and family, what about the indigenous world? I'm nervous. There's a, not nervous, like someone's going to get me, but a moth has come in, and he's going to, he's going to, I think he's going to go after these, my lamps and make it all noisy. I'll finish the poem. Then I did find the quote by Kinnikuk, the Kickapoo prophet, and I was pretty accurate. But I might say it. Okay. What about the indigenous world, I'm asking, looking at spirituality? We got the Bible. What about the indigenous and their traditions? No teníamos para mucho tiempo libros Palabras, escritos, ni impresas. We didn't have for so long books or, uh, you know, written word or printing. Y había un Dios en esa época y ahora, sin palabras, sin saber, ni una sencilla, solitaria cosa. I hope I'm doing decent Spanish. I'm just trying to say there was a, there was a God then even without books and words on paper, without words, without, without knowing anything. Un Dios está. 
God is there. Tal vez el gran espíritu, como se llama en el norte, perhaps maybe the, the great spirit, like they call it in the north. Esa tierra nombrada, nom, nombrado por ingleses y españoles algo europeo, pero ¿cuál es correcto el nombre para tierra y dioses de la, la gente de la región natural? con historia de miles de años? ¿O los hombres que usaron, que usaron europeos con armas y Biblias, nombres de una tierra robada? Um, I, I did two stances there in Spanish. So, un Dios está, maybe like the Great Spirit, like we call it in the North, this land named by Eng English and Spanish, something European. But what is correct? The name for, for the land and gods of the region from this area, natural, the natural people from the area who go back thousands of years, or the names used by Europeans with guns and Bibles, names of a stolen land. Mi familia mexicana sabe la respuesta. My Mexican family knows the answer. No hay naciones, fronteras en el corazón de cariño y amor. There's no, there are no nations, no borders in the heart of love and care. Haciendo la voluntad de Dios de su propia comprensión, libertad, Doing the will of God, of uh, the God of your own understanding, freedom. Amor sin condición, bailando con mariachis en el jardín de San Miguel. Love without condition, dancing with the mariachis in el jardín de San Miguel in the center. Gente de las montañas, caballos y burros de Dios, nos sirviendo humilde y sencillo. La sonrisa de todos niños de cualquier color o raza es, señores y señoras, mi familia mexicana. Love without condition, dancing with the mariachis in the, gar in the garden in San Miguel, in the town center. Um, people from the mountains, horses and donkeys from God, serving humbly and simply. The smile of all the children of whatever race or color. This, people, this is my Mexican family. It's the end of that one. Take a quick break. And we're back. Uh, okay, it's just some cleanup on my poetry because I saw some mistakes I wanted to fix. Now, one I call Talgarth Graves. Talgarth is a place in Wales. In the mountains. I was just there over last summer. Uh, it's where my last name basically comes from, Watkins. And I wrote a poem called Talgarth Graves about my experience and my thoughts about that area of the world where I dreamed to live uh, after being here writing and presenting my book. Talgarth Graves. I went home over the summer to Talgarth, Wales, in the mountains of Breckenshire. There I walked land no one stole, 
There I felt a connection to the land and people. The name Watkins, along with Davis, Thomas, Hughes, and Evans, dotting graves at the churchyard at St. Gwendolyn's. Some graves need work, and I shall return to work then. Remember our fathers and mothers so forgotten when a slew of Talgarth's sons and daughters fled to an old world we called new because white people hadn't, before Columbus, Raleigh, and Smith seen it. We vainly usurped the land before Spain or other usurpers could, committed armed theft over the course of hundreds of years. Now called the British colonists' experiment and government of the 18th century the, quote, greatest democracy in the world. Not so for Native Americans or the slaves we brought to work stolen land, promised to pay them after the Civil War, only to renege and continue to preach about the greatest democracy in the world. Great on the surface for people escaping responsibilities and lives in Europe, such as my ancestors, who obviously left Dad and Grandpa's graves to the wind in Talgarth, Wales, so we could go across an ocean and steal. The first Thanksgiving proclamation of 1676 was a prayer of thanks to God for killing off Native Americans so efficiently with disease and infighting. The natives had a message of gratitude for the land, wisdom, and peace, something our Bible and gun-toting ancestors cared nothing for, unfortunately. Global warming arrived in 1492, solidified in 1607 with John Smith and the other and other English people calling native Wingandacoa, Virginia, its first successful robbery being, quote, Jamestown, named after a Scottish king who unified Britain and tore apart Native America without a care because those naked, brown, content people were not, quote, Christian. Where did Jesus say it's good to leave your father's graves, sail across an ocean, and steal other human beings' land? Jesus said truth, gospel, Glory to all that's high for his teaching, but his message would be better served if we treated foreign people with love, respect, totally free of judgment. The United States is a farce built on stolen land, violence, and lies. The land, though, thrives, and I dream to return to it after fixing the graves of Talgarth. God forgive us our sins, help us to amend mistakes and errors to truly pave the way, not just for a biblical second coming, but for a more full, complete spirituality enhanced by the experience of native people whose great spirit is love and peace, glorious creation, the waterfall, their Bible, something they taught on deaf ears until a day I hope soon when white people from Europe open them up to hear. It's on my website with a picture I took of one of the streams Enig, I think it's called Enid, Enig, uh, stream that goes through Talgarth on its way to join the, uh, the Y River up the way, <clears throat> bigger river. All right, so doesn't surprise the next title of the next poem I wrote was, is now The Greatest Democracy in the World on my website. They pitched me a lie in school and on screen that we were a great country based on our president, government, and election-based, quote, democracy. That was before I started actually studying facts. Native Americans were not 
a part of the 1776 British experiment and usurping, and usurping colonists usurped. There is a great country, uh, there is a great uh, country, the farcical, violent, usurping USA doth claim. Beautiful lands, all free to roam until the Europeans came to conquer. People rule is always silly. I mean, who of us rules during a hurricane, forest fire, or earthquake? No government is valid if based on just humans. Geocracy would serve better. God, earth, and people rule. Call it a merging of cultures and ideas. The U.S. Constitution is a dry, secular mess for the rich. The Iroquois uh, Confederacy finally found paper and ink after years of oral records. And the great difference between it and the British rebel one is great spirit, or, if you will, higher power recognition. Their meetings ask for blessings from the, from blessings from nature and earth from the great creator called great spirit humility is good a slow moving fact above mexico and below canada vikings and english conquerors inspired by roman lust for foreign land plague us that hotbed of invasion for thousands of years in Europe created quite a scary arsenal of horrible, loud, destructive weapons and forces to kill other human beings. As Lao Tzu pointed out, we cannot change the world, but in telling the truth about it, we make the good Dickensian, Mrs. Chickian effort. Imagine if Wyatt Earp let the gangs run towns, or if a sober writer let the descendants of violent land theft call the USA the greatest democracy in the world. It is not, nor should it be. There is a higher power in charge, and that is still knowledge for the wide path to grab while the narrow hopes for heaven. This needs discussion. It's got a lot of illusions. The poem. The greatest democracy in the world, not for Native American people. I wrote a lot of poems this week. Here's one called The uh, Piracy Under the Cross. It's never too late to make amends, to make a change, to recognize the humanity of native peoples. The British and Spanish, among others, came to a land across the sea, sized it up, coveted, and stole. Piracy Under the Cross. Find people on both sides. Tout the greatest democracy on earth while Native Americans remain locked up. Whoops. While Native Americans remain locked up on land, we cast them to so we could rape and reap the benefit of their inheritance. How many white people in North America live on land, live on and benefit from stolen land? Excuse me. Armed theft in 1607 is an at-large crime with victims today. Genocide and removal are the ways of the, quote, greatest democracy in the world. Add to that slavery, promising to pay the slaves after a war, not paying the slaves after the war is promised. Visit Skid Row in Southern California's Los Angeles, and a place I call it Otsunia, the native name, the place of the roses until the Spanish came with Bibles and guns to conquer, convert, and kill. There at Skid Row, you see in black and white, mostly black, 
the neglect and invalidity of the USA, a government founded in racism, religionism, slavery, violence, and lies. African Americans brought in cages and chains, released from bondage in 1865 without land, entitlement, ownership. But hey, you're free to enjoy your nearest slum. These sins and crimes still fester. They are not less sins and crimes because they were long ago. Health depends on honesty and clean living. For that reason, I have removed myself from the supposed United States of America, in quotes, a British experiment gone wrong. I feel all of that. It's not easy to do, but I believe in all of that. And as I mentioned, I lost my my dog, Missy. I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay, for Missy, uh, my fallen mini schnauzer. Very sweet. High strong, but sweet. Super intense, but sweet. The soul calls us to love. This one's called Missy. The soul calls us to love. Missy and Charlie, it's her brother's name, were nameless dogs on the street when I found them, and I picked them up, put them in the car, took them home, bathed them with my friend, cut their mats out, took them to the vet, assessed their age, checked for microchips, named them, spayed them, and neutered them. I wanted to give them up after all that because we already had two dogs at home, but my friend, whose house I lived in, said I could leave any time I wanted, but the dogs were staying. Mini Schnauzers, Missy and Charlie, brother and sister, lovers, friends, co-survivors of homelessness in dirty, quote, Los Angeles. How else can a land be that was sacked by Spain, Mexico, then the British USA? We put roads, concrete, asphalt, and European civilization over a paradise natives called Otsunia, the place of the roses. Too stressful a place, in the end, for Missy, who was high-strung anyway. She lived to lick, run, and play, had a strong appetite until she got struck with epilepsy. I see her running in circles around us, walking, boundless energy and love from God. I used to tell her and her brother, the Lord made you, you know that? I saw in their eyes the light of God, creation itself, innocence and honesty. We're all brothers and sisters from the same seed. Missy lives where she always lived, in the heart of spirit, love, licking life up 200 times a day, licking life up to 200 times a day. Give all you got to life, and you never need to mourn the loss of a friend that did the same. That's to honor Missy. Almost through my poems, and I have a couple of favorites to go for this episode of Bill's Poetique. I wrote a poem also uh, called Borderless last week. Borderless. The spirit of God, wisdom and truth cascading down, wordless and real. Life, creation, in a baby's eyes and upon waking, 
What are borders? Good fences make good neighbors, said Robert Frost. And Jesus? Only God is good. I'm a polytheist, a student of the Bible, but more recently taken with foot on soil, appealing to nature. I'm into the Native American great spirit. No borders, no words. We appeal in dance, song, movement, see answers in light, comfort, warmth, and our daily bread. The infant cares not about borders, nor I. A bit of boundary between them and I is good as long as we're willing to tear it down in need. Kindness is universal, morality within us all to know. That's why when it comes time to make amends for harm, for harms in our past by us or our ancestors, I say don't hesitate but go. This is one I woke up with in my head earlier in the week. Earth for Christ with a question mark. Earth for Christ? It's about all of the missionary stuff that took place in these native lands. You got to give up all that earth stuff. That's from the devil. And I certainly question why. Christ in books, the gospel doth speak, the message of peace and love. Of what could we peasants on earth argue? Must we abandon the earth, customs of thousands of years, to follow Spain into perfect quest for perfect bib biblical perfection? What sort of inquisition is this? Must we abandon our, go our gods for yours? Couldn't we each of us live and let live? Spain came to Mexico and threw it down, but the mix converted some Spanish to the spirit you see in ballet folklorico and mariachi music. The hills teem with peasant life that gives the smile of purity to the modern Spanish streets of San Miguel. The mix works, and Mexico is of such. In the north, the English drove a hard, secular line between them and religion, then brought that set of lines to Europe's new world, usurping Christ when convenient, dividing, removing, and killing brown people with different customs called diabolical and heathen to garner, to garner justification. Sins committed 400 years ago are still sins, and if unamended, it's never too late to apologize and restore love and sanity, give land back where stolen. This one's called Polytheistic, moving on. Polytheistic on my website, travelingpoet.net. I was brought up to think polytheism and paganism, the devil, and something to avoid like the plague. I here announce my polytheism, Find, finding both the Bible and earth concept helpful to arrive at good spirituality and decision-making. The two work together well. Ask Juan Diego and the Virgin of Guadalupe. Mixing is okay. Take what you like and leave the rest. The highest power in my life when, when put into words is the Native American great spirit. I pray without books conjuring the earth and sky above it, attempt to find harmony between it all, and ask guidance that my action find and enhance the harmony.
The word of God through his son, Jesus Christ, is food. I eat it daily next to my breakfast and lunch. I do not eat dinner anymore because two drug over, sorry, because two drug overdoses injured my brain and diaphragm so I cannot digest food and sleep at the same time. I took drugs and drink flammable and drank flammable alcohol before I considered the great spirit and happy, balanced, content polytheism. Alrighty, almost through my stuff. San Miguel de I I'm sorry. This one's called San Miguel del Mundo. It's in consideration to be the title of my next book of poems, which no one will buy. No, it won't sell. I'm not looking to sell anything too big, but you never know. The other, the book I'm writing called Land Thief, I think will sell. But I always make books of poems. San Miguel del Mundo, San Miguel of the World. As should be, there are places and moments that transcend borders and seem gems meant for all to see and enjoy. We can, be, we can be lulled to sleep by fancy, beautiful places, skyscraping churches to praise God and also to distract from murder, murdering culture, tradition, polytheistic pagan dreams of earth, gratitude, and song, the dream of new youth and eternity, dreamed as I did when I prayed for poetry to come to me. I was in San Miguel de Allende in 1995, 23 years old, writing travel stories. God, give me poetry. I prayed by the bed on my knees, as I used to do, a recovering Catholic in the home of my practicing Mexican family. They ran a pension then, and I paid my pesos, ate the nice meals at comida time, met a photographer from Colorado who taught me about light. Two or so weeks passed and no poetry arrived. I had been to the bullfight, saw Cristina Sanchez defy the odds in a man's world and shine. I ran with the little bulls of the Pamplonada, the Grand Independence Day Fiesta, and a little bull hit me and I fell down, typical of tourists taking pictures, not precautions. But after a day in Dolores, called Hidalgo after the Mexican hero, I was awakened by lines of poetry out of my dreams in Spanish and in English, every other line. I sowed prayer and reaped poetry in San Miguel, a Spanish name for a place that I'm sure used to have an indigenous name, Chichimeca, the internet tells me. By any other name, places either smell sweet or not. It needs cleaning and care like any baby or town. It could use help with stray dogs and is not perfect, but there is magic there. Here, I should say. There is magic here. For I have finally moved here to explore more poetry and write a book about white people from Europe stealing native land from natural inhabitants whose spirituality is glorious and not in books. There will be a place, place someday that truly rises up as an example to the world, and it could be here in San Miguel. Then again, I may not know, for I am bound for Wales after a while in search of land, I nor my descendants did not steal. I got to make sure that that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I have to make sure I'm bound for I'm bound for Wales after a while in search of land. I nor my descendants 
did not steal. In search of a land, I nor my descendants did I think, I guess it works. I think it works. Hmm. Don't second guess now. We're on a roll. And then last but not least, I wrote a poem tonight. Set me back a little bit on my timing to do this podcast. It's called The Poem Not Written. It's all the titles I didn't write this week that I had taken notes to write for. Just uh, just threw it down. I had plenty to say about British invaders, quote, using natives kindly and coveting their land before stealing it among, amidst, amidst the chaos of mutiny, rebellion, starvation, and forced coups in a land natives called Wingandakoa, but the British vainly called Virginia after their queen. I had even more to say about living at LAX airport in a city most call Los Angeles, but I prefer the native name Otsunya, signifying place of the roses. I lived there trying to raise 600 bucks to catch a plane for London because Siggy Schmid, the LA Galaxy soccer coach, never called me to give me a tryout in 1999. Instead of being depressed about that, I rode my bike to the airport from Pasadena, Chippewa word meaning crown of the valley. I parked the bike, lost the bike for 24 hours, figured it was stolen, then it reappeared magically where I had left it at the front door to the international terminal, unscratched and unscathed. So I sold the bike to a red cap for $250, which is how which is how much I needed to buy my ticket finally after camping out at the airport 3 days. I would have written something about living in psych wards when filled with self-doubt and unchecked alcoholism. How I literally checked myself in once at an emergency room in Pasadena with symptoms of quote self-doubt. That helped me to realize that was crazy. And I slowly began to believe, not that I was crazy, but that I was alcoholic. And And that if I just refrained from drinking alcohol or using drugs one day at a time, all would be fine. Even if I just watched TV or a movie, made that my whole day, it was okay and better than doing something bad like putting mind-altering substances in my body. I would surely have tackled Western medicine and how sick it is. I frankly think it has serious health problems. Along with the insurance game, the insurance game littering its offices, halls, and examination rooms, perhaps why they're often too cold with air conditioning that makes you sicker than before you left home. The sicker you are, the better that, I'm sorry, the better, the sicker you, you are, the better deal health insurance is for you. So good luck with that. The healthier you are, you lose. And the health insurance companies win that round. So what's it going to be? Remember War Games from 1983? The only winning move is not to play. From that year, I also remember Owner of a Lonely Heart. Uh, what else? Owner of a Lonely Heart, Octopussy, Never Say Never Again. Two Bond movies in one year. 
uh, English Beats, Last Year Together, Chevy Chase and Vacation, Harold Ramis directing the John Hughes script. I had $13 to my name that year and felt rich. Last, I was going to write something on an impromptu date at the post office. I ran into Mrs. Wright. I'm sure of it. So why was she hollering outside the name of some dude, sure to be a husband or boyfriend? Could it, could it have been a friend or brother and I still have a chance? No matter what, it was rather an enchanted meeting and I hope to see her again. Does that mean if her other guy sees this poem, he'll come after me, email me, threaten me with violence if I don't stay away from his girl? It's happened to me before because I try to be true to my own feelings and let women decide what they want to do. And sometimes someone will let you make moves on them because they're bored or not thrilled with their current guy. But there is a danger of ticking someone off. So I've resolved to at the sound of, quote, I have a boyfriend. I have resolved, sorry, to staying generally the heck away, hoping for romance when the coast is clear. I would have written all of that. Other poemas. I've got Ricardo Garcia O from Es Tiempo de Cambiar. It's time to change. He writes a poem called Sueño. Déjame platicarte. Let me talk to you. Or tell you about un sueño raro que tuve. I want to tell you about a, a weird dream I had. Soñé que feliz jugaba con estrellas y planetas. I was playing with stars and planets, really happy. Y a la oscuridad remota con cometa vida daba. Música hacía con colores, con sonidos escribía, percibiendo universos que en mi cuerpo yo tenía. I saw universes in my own body. I was dancing with the stars, or playing with the stars, and a comet gave me life. Music um, hacía con colores. M music was made with colors, with, with sounds, written sounds, perceiving universes in my own body that I had. De pronto... Me vi sentado a lo largo de un camino. I was on a road con las manos en las bolsas y con lolo en los sentidos. I had mud in my feelings and I had my hands were in, <laughs> in bags. De pronto me vi sentado. I saw myself sitting. A lo largo de un camino. A, a lo largo, it's a part of a road. I don't know what. A lo largo, the long part of a road. Con las manos en las, bolsilla, las bolsas. Hands in bags. Y con lodo en los sentidos. Mud in the feelings. ¿Dónde estoy? Me pregunté. I asked myself, where am I? ¿Qué hago aquí? ¿A dónde voy? What do I do here? Uh, where do I go? Y cuando mi rostro 
um, giré oh sorpresa um, y cuando mi rostro giré what does girar mean again? let me see girar oh to turn okay Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry for the profanity. I thought it stopped recording, and I used profanity. I was ticked. Um, anyways, Gerardo means to turn. So, um, so he's tripping out because he's seeing himself in this dream. Y cuando mi rostro, when I turn my the angle of my uh, my face, oh sorpresa, a surprise. I saw myself. Me encontré. I found myself. 4,000 million, maybe 4 billion um, más de asustados, other people really surprised, como yo, que con ansia medio loca, medio loca, I think, uh, oh wait, I just looked that up, que con ansia, I think nerves, not nerves, ansia, what the heck is ansia? Oh, anxiety, ansia, ansia, anxiety. Oh, all right, so we, they all had anxiety too. All these people, four billion, sacudiéndose la tierra, buscaban al infinito sus estrellas y sus soles, su música y sus colores. All these people with anxiety sacudiéndose sacuder um, sacuder sacudir oh shake okay shaking the world looking at the infinite so I was in my dream, and it was really weird. And then I looked around, and to my surprise, there were billions, millions of other people in that same dream looking at me. It's just a revolving door. Pretty cool. Um, I like it. Very Mexican, very magical. Me gusta. All right, because I love poetry, I'm going to keep going. It's been long today, but I just, I love poetry, so I'm just going to rock and roll. I like my intro, and so I'm still going to publish this thing. I have this book. I bought this book. Oh, wait. Let's make sure I'm recording. <laughs> I bought this book called 20th Century American Poetry. It's got some images stuff in here from the early 20th century. Um, every poem, I don't know if you ever experienced this as readers, and as readers of poetry, but sometimes every once in a while I'll pick up a book and it's just got an energy about it that everything I read from it's going to be awesome. That's this poem, this this book. Um, so I bought it. This one's called Escape by Eleanor Wiley. Very short. When foxes. Mm. Try to read this. Get under some good light here. 
When foxes eat the last gold grape and the last white antelope is killed, I shall stop fighting and escape into a little house I'll build. But first I'll shrink to fairy size with a whisper no one understands, making blind moons of all your eyes and muddy roads of all your hands. And you may grope for me in vain in hollows under the mangrove root or where in apple-scented rain the silver wasp nests hang like fruit. Yeah, do it. I don't even know. You know, she's just like, yes. When foxes eat the last gold grape, okay, and the last white antelope is killed, jeez, I shall stop fighting and escape into a little house I'll build. Okay. But first I'll shrink to fairy size. Oh, good luck with that. With a whisper no one understands, making blind moons of all your eyes. Oh, your eyes are now moons, but they're blind because I'm going to do it because I'm a fairy. And muddy roads of all your hands. I'm going to make your hands into muddy roads, okay? And you may grope for me in vain, because it's all muddy and I'm gone. I'm too small for you. In hollows under the mangrove root, or where... In apple-scented rain, the silver wasp nests hang like fruit. That's quite a vision. Go to it, girl. I like that book and that poem. Works for me. I'm going to take a swig of water and plow through. i got three more poems. I think. I thought I would do this, and this is wacky. But I'm going to do uh, Psalm of Light. I said I would do it last week, but it, you needed to be too loud, so I was afraid to do it. I'm just going to try something with it, but I am going to lock myself in a small room uh, that hopefully won't bother any neighbors. So I can be hopefully a little loud in here. Might be an echo, but let's go for it. I hear drumming anyways out there. Someone's partying, I don't know, so whatever. This one's A Psalm of Life by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Let's get real here. He's a poet and a life coach to me, an early life coach before there was such a thing as life coach. The guy's just trying to pump you up. Hans and Franz pumping you up. Pump, Psalm of Life. Tell me not. In mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream. For the soul is dead that slumbers, and things are not what they seem. Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art to dust returnest, was not spoken of the soul. Not enjoyment and not sorrow is our destined end and way or way. But to act that each tomorrow find us further than today. Art is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts, though stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating. Sorry, I got interrupted. I, need, I felt I needed to get the flashlight out, and every time I do that, it messes up the recording. Um, all right. 
Art is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts, though stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating, funeral marches to the grave. In the world's broad field of battle, in the bivouac of life, be not like dumb, driven cattle. Be a hero in the strife. Trust no future, however pleasant. Let the dead past bury its dead. Act, act in the living present, heart within and God overhead. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. Footprints that perhaps another sailing o'er life's, life's solemn main, a forlorn and shipwrecked brother seeing shall take heart again. Let us then be up and doing with a heart for any fate, still achieving, still pursuing, learn to labor and to wait. Longfellow. So, I'll come out of my sound booth. I just tried to give it what it deserves, but I don't know. Could probably go a little harder on that, but I did what I... Okay, let's read the next one called It Is Not Always May. In one... Longfellow, number two for today. It Is Not Always May. I haven't read this in a while, but I've circled it. So I trust it's good. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to get my reading glasses out because that's the way I roll these days sometimes. Nice. All right. It's not always May by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow around the uh, late 1800s. Oh, he does a Spanish proverb as a epitaph, epigraph, epigraph. No hay pájaros en los nidos de antaño. There are no birds in the nests de antaño. Antaño? Antaño. Yesteryear, uh, antaño. There are no birds in the nests of, of yesteryear. Hmm. I guess they're all gone. It is not always May. This looks like it might be kind of a downer. Let's go for it. Nah, I, it can't be a downer. It's Longfellow. Um, one sec. Okay. Dead Silence is always good uh, podcast. It's good radio. It's good radio work right there. Just dead silence. Just telling the listener, hold on, hold on. I'm going to do something. Got a sweatshirt. It's cold. All right. Here we go. The sun is bright. The air is clear. The darting swallows soar and sing. And from the stately elms I hear the bluebird prophesying spring. So blue yon winding river flows, it seems an outlet from the sky. Where, waiting till the west wind blows, the freighted clouds at anchor lie. All things are new, the buds, the leaves, that gild the elm, elm tree's nodding crest, and even the nest beneath the eaves. There are no birds in last year's nest. 
all things rejoice in youth and love, the fullness of their first delight, and learn. <laughs> Sorry. And learn from the soft heavens above the melting tenderness of night. Oh, that's good stuff. That's only Longfellow can do this type of thing. Shakespeare, Longfellow, these guys. Maiden, that readest this simple rhyme, enjoy thy youth, it will not stay. Enjoy the fragrance of thy prime, for oh, it is not always May. Enjoy the spring of love and youth, to some good angel leave the rest, for time will teach thee soon the truth. There are no birds in last year's nest. Ah, uh, it's just so, it's so perfect. There's a perfection. What a gifted writer and poet. Holy moly, 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 moly. Just so good. It's so pleasant. Metered and rhymed, all perfectly and beautiful. The sun is bright, the air is clear, the darting swallows soar and sing. And from the stately elms I hear, the bluebird prophesying spring. I mean, it's, uh, it's just perfect. Anyways. All right. Any more? Any more? I already did the two Spanish. We're going to leave Excelsior. We're going to do Excelsior next week. It's one I used to do for my grandma when she was essentially that on her deathbed, but it would kind of get us excited. I'm going to throw in something a little different uh, here now by Francis Ellen Watkins Harper. I started the show talking about Watkins being a slave-owning name. This is a woman, Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, born circa 1820, free to freed slaves in, in uh, Maryland. These people related to our, our slaves. It's just what it is. But anyways, I looked into this poet because I found her and I said, hmm, there's family, for better or for worse. I'm not saying this was something I was glad that we did, but being in that weirdness, in that fight, you know, let's just not be afraid and, and tell the truth about it. Francis Ellen Watkins Harper. Francis is a common family name in, in my family, and of course Watkins is our last name. And we came from... Virginia, Maryland area. That's where we landed in 1608. 1607, 1608. It was right there in what, what they call Virginia. I call Wincandacoa. She wrote something called My Mother's Kiss. I thought it was tender and, and relatively nice. My mother's kiss, my mother's kiss, I feel it's impressed now. As in the bright and happy days, she pressed it on my brow. You say it is a fancy thing within my memory fraught. Memory again. To me it has a sacred place, the treasure house of thought. Again I feel her fingers glide amid my clustering hair. I see the love light in her eyes when all my life was fair. 
Again I hear her gentle voice in warning or in love. How precious was the fate that taught, that taught my soul of things above. The music of her voice is stilled. Her lips are paled in death. As precious pearls, I'll clasp her words until my last, latest breath. The world has scattered round my path, honor and wealth and fame, but not so precious as the thoughts that gather around her name. And friends have placed upon my brow the laurels of renown, but she first taught me how to wear my manhood as a crown. Huh. My hair is silvered over with age. I'm long, longing to depart, to clasp again my mother's hand and be a child at heart to roam with her the glory land where saints and angels greet, to cast our crowns with songs of love at our Redeemer's feet. I thought that was sweet. I look forward to doing more from her poems, classic reprint that I have bought. And tonight I'm going to finish with my... The one I talked about last week, I wanted to stay old or get uh, her, grow old so I could read every one of her poems. Ella Wheeler Wilcox, positivist, turn of the century, 1900-ish. And I just turned to a page, and I'm going to read. Unanswered Prayers, last poem of the night. God bless you all, and may you have a good one whenever you're listening to this. Like some schoolmaster, kind in being stern. Hold on one sec. For Ella, sorry. Unanswered Prayers is the poem. Oh, I'm going to get my reading glasses on. Like some schoolmaster, kind in being stern, who hears the children crying over their slates and calling, Help me, master, yet helps not. Since in his silence and refusal lies their self-development, so God, so God abides unheeding many prayers. Hmm. He is not deaf to any cry sent up from earnest hearts. He hears and strengthens when he must deny. He sees us weeping over life's hard sums, but should he give the key and dry our tears. What would it profit us when school were done and not one lesson mastered? What a world <clears throat> were this if all our prayers were answered? Not in famed Pandora's box were such vast ills as lie in human hearts. Should our desires voiced one by one in prayer, ascend to God and come back as events shaped to our wish, what chaos would result? I think of the movie Sphere. Anyone seen Sphere? Michael Crichton? <laughs> See that, and you'll know what I mean. Their worst nightmares coming true. In my fierce youth, I sighed out breath enough to move a fleet, voicing wild prayers to heaven for fancy boons, which were denied, and that denial bends my, my knee to prayers of gratitude each day of my mature years. Thank God I didn't get those prayers answered. Yet from those prayers, I rose always regirded for the strife and, and conscious of new strength. 
Pray on, sad heart, that which thou pleadest for may not be given, but in the lofty altitude where souls who supplicate God's grace are lifted, there there thou shalt find help to bear thy daily lot, which is not elsewhere found. Thank you. And with Ella, I'm going to bid you good night. It's been fun. It's been real. And by God's grace or higher power or great spirit's grace, or if you're a theist, so am I. I'm also a theist. Actually, I'm a polytheist. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you got this far, May God bless you or your higher power as you define your higher power. Whatever works for you, whatever feeds you, said Father Tom Weston to me once uh, on a retreat. Whatever feeds you, whatever works for you. May, may no one judge. Let's not judge. It's what's got us into trouble up north and why we have such insanity in that area. A fake government calls the United States of America. It's it's just one sin and crime after another, and no one's very few people are willing to slow down enough to go back and make amends. It's worth it. Vale la pena. It's worth it. It's worth it. Vale la pena. It's worth it. You've been listening to Bill's Poetique. You have a nice night, morning, afternoon, and we'll see you next time. Saturdays is usually when I post. Have a great one. Bye-bye.